0: Thank you, guys. All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. God is good? Yes. All the time? Yes. Amen. Those two last two songs that we just sang, they just hit home. I almost cried. It's been a while. It's... It says in that song, Jesus is the center of it all. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And it just is just so fitting with, our, with what we're going to talk about today. And in the second song, it says that God is faithful, that he is good. The goodness of God is amazing. Amen? Yeah. So I just want to open us in prayer before I forget about it. Okay? So let's pray. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you, we thank you, for you are the center of it all. For you you are a good God, and your faithfulness endures forever. Lord, we just humbly come before you, asking for your forgiveness. Lord, help us to be holy as you are holy. Lord, be in our midst tonight. And I pray, Lord Jesus, That you will speak to all of us, Lord God, once again. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will override my preparation. And you will just use me as your vessel, as your instrument to speak to your people. I pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts and our minds for your message, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you that we are free to worship you and to praise you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So that's been taken care of. So I'm back again. I praise God for this really amazing opportunity, this really humbling experience to deliver the Lord's message and to give break to our pastor. So if you're watching online, Pastor Joe, enjoy your break. Okay. Um, And I said it in the past, and I'm going to say it again. Every time I'm here, it's a humbling experience. And I did it, I was here last Wednesday, and it's for the first time I did it twice this week. And you know what? It is tiring. It is like physically exhausting to prepare the Lord's message, but it is fulfilling. And praise God for that. So I'd like to start with a story. So at the end of the age, we're all going to die. So, at the end of the age, all the believers were standing in the line, waiting to get into heaven. The angel Gabriel, do you all know Gabriel? Appeared and he said, I want all men to form two lines. One line will be for the men who were the true head of their household. And the other will be for the men who were dominated by their wives. So, which line will you go to? Gabriel continued, and now we need all the women to go report to Mary and Martha and go onto the other side of the gate. So the women left while the men hurriedly formed two lines. The line of men who were dominated by their wives was seemingly an ending. <laughs> and the line who were the true head of their household had just one man, had just one man on it, and his name is Andres. <laughs> yes, Andres made it back again. So, Gabriel said to the line with a lot of men, you men ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Right? You were appointed to, to be the head of your household, and you have not fulfilled your purpose. Sucks. And... And all of you, of all of you, there is one man who obeyed, and that's Andres. Then Gabriel turned to Andress and he asked him, How did you come to be in this line, Andres? So Andres, with all confidence in the world, he answered. And he replied, I am an obedient believer. I am an obedient believer. And my wife told me to, be, to stand here. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is on that line <laughs> um, I hope that wasn't corny <laughs> So Andres So we can't be like Andres, folks right? So men, I encourage you and I empower you That we must be leaders of our household And we must assume responsibility of leadership right? But leadership is not only for men but for every believer. So today, Pastor Joe assigned me a task to deliver a message about leadership. Oh my, it's hard. I think Brother Romel should be. (laughs) So um, I did my best, and I know God will use me, right? You know, one of many amazing qualities of Jesus is his leadership. Jesus mentored his disciples. Jesus was a servant leader. Jesus made his style of mentoring clear. He led so so that we can follow. You know, in Matthew 16, 24, I guess I have the clicker. Not working, Nick. Oh, (laughs) how do I turn it on? Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry about that, guys. There. In Matthew 16 to 24, it reads, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, what? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Amen. So that's what it means to be a Christian, folks. So, with that being said, what is mentorship? Mentorship. Right, because that's what we're going to focus on today. What is mentorship? So according to gutquestion.org, mentorship is this. Because Jesus is our leader and we are to follow him, Christian mentorship is a process dependent upon the submission to Christ. Neither a mentor nor the candidate controls the relationship. As such, the process is best characterized by mutual sharing. Trust and enrichment as the life and work of both participants is change. The mentor serves as model and trusted listener. The mentor relies on the Holy Spirit to provide insight, change lives, and teach through the modeling process. So the title of tonight's message is Make disciples be a good mentor. So can you say it with me? Make disciples be a good mentor. So we're going to talk about leadership, specifically this, discipleship and mentorship. I know not everyone is called to be a pastor or a deacon, but everyone is called to make disciples. No exception. Amen? Okay, good. You agree with me. All right. So let's read together. In Matthew 28:18 to 20. So, one, two, three, go. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. So God commanded us this great commission right before he ascended to heaven. So us Christians, we must make disciples. No exception. So this is not an option, but it is a command to all who calls Jesus his Lord or her Lord. Right. So notice here, first, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So why does he have to say that? right? Because this indicates who Jesus is. It shows his authority. This is a statement of facts. Jesus is who he said he is, right? Jesus is God. Amen? So, and then, the word therefore here, therefore, is such an important word, right? Therefore, Therefore here is, hold on one second. So the word therefore is imperative word. And imperative are commands of implication. So this is a statement of direction made with authority that have directed and you Christians, as Christians, are expected expected to act and obey and to follow this. So Jesus is really serious when he gives this command. So Jesus is saying here, because I have all authority in heaven and on earth, then you must obey and make disciples of all nations. Amen? So, but what is discipleship? Discipleship is, according to discipleship.org, is a process of entering into a relationship relationship to help people trust and follow Jesus, which includes the whole process from conversion through maturation and multiplication. So making disciple does not stop after you share the gospel, right? And someone received the good news. So, and that's our problem as Christians, right? We stop. Oh, okay. I already shared the gospel. I'm good. I'm covered. I'll stop there, right? That's not what discipleship is. You have to follow up. Right? You have to follow up. So, therefore, mentorship, this is where mentorship comes in. Mentorship is vital to Christian discipleship. Right? Leadership is needed. What's our mission here in FICF? To know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. So, making Him known That's where discipleship comes in, right? Making him known requires discipleship. Discipleship requires mentorship, right? Without good mentors, we will not have good leaders, So for example, in the Bible, Moses was mentored by his father-in-law, Jethro, right? And then Barnabas mentored Paul, right? Good job, Tita Josie, right? And then, you know, there's this quote from Dr. Beverly Kay. Behind every successful person, there is one elementary truth. Somewhere, somehow, someone cared about their growth and and development. This person was their mentor, right? So you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you did that, someone shared to you. Someone tried to disciple you and disciple you and share the gospel to you. So I was, as I was preparing for this message, it made me think of my own Christian life, my own Christian walk. Without the people that invested in me and encouraged me, I will not be standing here today. Right? I praise God for the life of Dennis. Dennis is my schoolmate in nursing school. And he took the time to disciple me. And when I was in, when I was in nursing school, he shared the gospel to me. It's been shared to me back in the past, but I never really understood it until he, he shared it to me again. And I received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior back in 2008 of August, when I was freshman in nursing school. And praise God for that. And Dennis just didn't stop there at sharing the gospel. Right? Dennis followed up with me. He continued to disciple me. He became my mentor, right? He became my mentor, a person of encouragement for me. And then, fast forward, in 2012, I moved to the United States of America, right? And then I was like, okay, this is the church I belong now. But, praise God, Pastor Julius also discipled me, even though I was late a lot. (laughs) And I was memorizing my memory verse while I was driving... To church at 10 (laughs) a.m. you know I am the Christian I am today because God worked through those people to help me mature in my relationship with him so tonight I want to show you of a person in the Bible who is an example of real mentoring and that's no other than Barnabas have you heard of Barnabas before this is not the thief okay (laughs) or the the one in the movie Barabbas No, that wasn't it. So we have three points this evening. First is sacrifice for others. Why is sacrificing for others important in mentorship? Secondly is be intentional and seek the best in others. And lastly, be slow to judge others. So let's jump right in on it. So discipleship requires sacrifice. That's the first point. Sacrifice for others. So how many of you know Barnabas in the Bible? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, so not all of us. He is not famous. He's not the common character that we study all the time in the Bible. But I submit to you that if it wasn't for Barnabas, we wouldn't have Paul today. So half of the New Testament is from Paul. So we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for Barnabas. We wouldn't have the book of Mark today if it wasn't for Barnabas. Barnabas was an encourager, he was a good mentor. So let's take a look what kind of mentor Barnabas is like. So first, Barnabas is willing to sacrifice for others. And he is a true follower of Jesus Christ. In Luke, in Luke 9:23, and he Jesus saying was. To them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, not every Wednesday and Sunday, but daily. Amen? Amen. And follow me. And that's what Barnabas did. Barnabas is a true follower of Jesus Christ. This is the first introduction of Barnabas in Acts 4, verses 36 to 37. And now, Joseph, that's his name before Barnabas. Joseph, a Levite from, from Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. Owned a track of land, so he sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Amen. So he sold the property that belonged to him, right, and gave the money to the church to care for It's poorer members because these are early Christian church, right? So he did not just do this out of compulsion, church, right? But because he wants to please God. He wants to follow Jesus, not just on Wednesday and Sunday, but every day, right? And that's why he did that. So willingness to sacrifice is one of the foundation of what it means to be a real mentor, A genuine leader helps out even when it comes to a great personal cost, right? So making disciple requires sacrifice, right? You have to make yourself vulnerable if you want to be a discipler. You sacrifice time and effort if you want to be a discipler. One, on our own, we cannot make these sacrifices. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be like Barnabas. He was described in the scripture in Acts 11:24, For he was a good man, full of the truth of the Holy Spirit and faith. So we be like Barnabas. Truly, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us for us to be successful in mentoring for Christ. Just like Barnabas, he completely relied on the Holy Spirit. Right? So... Again, to be an effective mentor, it requires sacrifice for others. There's this illustration from David Livingstone. He's a Scottish missionary and an explorer who spent 30 years in the heart of Africa. He endured much suffering and he labored to spread the gospel and open continent, the continent for missionaries. And he said, and he said, Of this we ought ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made. He's pertaining to Jesus who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. So he's saying that in everything that I did in Africa, that was nothing. It is nothing compared to what Jesus has done for you and me. Right? So discipleship requires sacrifice, but when it becomes difficult, just remember, just remember the sacrifice Jesus made, that he gave himself for you and me. He did, right? Second point is, be intentional and seek the best in others. Be intentional and seek the best in others. In Ralph Nade, he said that the function of leadership is to produce more leaders, not followers. That's what leadership is all about. Do you believe that? Okay. So if you do, but why is it that sometimes we think as Christians that if we have more people in our ministry, in our Bible study group, we're successful? But that's not how it is the goal of leadership is to make more leaders, right? That's not what successful leadership is. Real success is when people you're discipling, people who are part in your small group, in your Bible study group, becomes discipler themselves, or they become a mentor. To be successful in discipleship and mentoring people, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional, Because when we leave it to chance and hope and pray that the person you're discipling, then generally it will never happen. So you have to be intentional. I believe that the lack of intentional discipleship is one of the reasons here in the United States that churches are slowly dying. And I am praying that we'll not be in FICF, we will not be one of them. So what's the solution? We have to make disciples. Amen? Yes. Right. We have to make disciples. So now Barnabas was intentional, and he seeked the best in others. Barnabas believed in Paul. Right? As I've said earlier, there would be no Paul without Barnabas. Right? So remember the situation? Do you remember the situation back in the early Christian church? Who was Paul? Paul is the biggest persecutor of the church, right? So, in fact, when Stephen was killed, he was there watching. That's how bad Paul is. He approved putting Stephen to death according to the scriptures. So then he went to Damascus. Paul didn't stop at killing Stephen. He went to Damascus, and he wanted to imprison all Christians, he wanted to imprison all Christians and persecute them. So everybody knew what Paul was like. So they all knew that. So now imagine. I want you to imagine, guys, being a Christian, being a believer at that time. Right? Imagine uh, that Saul, Saul, that's his name before. Saul or Saul, actually. It's Saul. <laughs> I want to say it. Saul. right? Saul. And he like... Hi guys, I'm a Christian now. <laughs> so what would you do? Would you believe him? Right? I'm a Christian now after I killed your brother Stephen and persecuted a lot of Christians. I'm a Christian now. I'm a convert. So what do you think you'll be thinking? Right? So for me, I'll be like, no way, Jose. You ain't no Christian. <laughs> I'll be all suspicious. And I'll probably be like, you just want to know who and where my Christian friends are. So you, And then you're going to end up arresting all of us, right? So then, Paul didn't stop there from introducing himself to be a Christian. He continues, I really want to meet the disciples, right? The, no, I'm no, sorry. I really want to meet the apostles, the 12, right? <laughs> Can you introduce me to the apostles? So if you're a Christian, will you introduce them to the apostles? This guy to the apostles? No. <laughs> what would you do? I'll be like, you're all sus, Paul. <laughs> you know what sus is? I learned that from Javen. <laughs> I got left behind. Sus means suspicious. Okay? So that's a little of new grammar for you. So in Acts 9, in Acts nine twenty six, when he came to Jerusalem, this is Paul, he tried repeatedly... To associate with the disciples, and yet they were all afraid, they were all afraid of him, as they did not believe that he was a disciple. And I wouldn't believe him too. I don't blame them. It's hard to swallow. So Saul just didn't try once, he tried repeatedly. Right? I will most likely be very scared. What is this guy really trying to do? Right? Yet there's this one set-apart guy, Barnabas, once again, right? Barnabas is just a completely different person. So here's Barnabas, even though there's so much risk involved, and when nobody wants to take the risk of bringing him to the Apostle, then Barnabas comes in and he said, but Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the Apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had talked to him, and how he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. So Barnabas says, I will take the risk. I believe in you, Saul, while everybody else don't believe in you. I believe that God can really use you. Barnabas risked his own life, not just his own life, His own reputation, he put it on the line. But why? That's the question. Why? Because he is being intentional, guys. And he saw the potential in Saul that nobody else saw. He saw the potential in Saul Saul, who nobody else saw. He believes that this guy can be used by God in amazing ways. So isn't that what it really means to be a mentor to someone else, right? Being intentional and seeing the best in others. So Barnabas, but actually Barnabas didn't stop at bringing Paul into the apostles, right? He actually sought Paul for ministry. He discipled Paul. One of the interesting things in Acts 11 is they were sent to Antioch, right? Right? Now Antioch is well north of Jerusalem. And they were checking out whether this new ministry... Because in these days, the Gentiles are receiving the gospel, right? And in this new ministry is, that's going on among the Gentiles is for real. So in Acts 11, I want you guys to help me read with this. In Acts 11:22 to 26, let's read it all together. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And considerable numbers were added to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, for an entire year, they met with a church and taught considerable numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So they sent Barnabas. But why will they send Barnabas? Right? Why will the apostles send Barnabas to Antioch? Well, they trusted him because Barnabas is a good follower of Christ. They believed that he will give good report. Right? Because he is a good man full of Holy Spirit and faith. Right? So if you're Barnabas and was given the job to see what's going on and encourage this young church, what would you do? Right? Of course, you would encourage the church, right? So he, and Barnabas at this time, he is already a leader and he could have literally and easily just done this job And do ministry and have a good time with the church in Antioch, right? But what does Barnabas do again? Here it is. He left for Tarsus. He left for Tarsus to seek Paul, right? He's saying that this is an opportunity for discipleship, right? This is an opportunity for discipleship. So he remembered Paul and he saw the potential of Paul He's just saying, "I don't want to, I don't want to do it myself. I want to develop somebody else to come with me because I can see that Paul can be more effective than I can." Right? So you know that Barnabas traveled, he did the extra mile, traveled from Antioch all the way to Tarsus. and you know how far that is? More than 100 kilometers. And then back then, we got no Lamborghini and no Honda Civic and Accord, right? Even though the disciples cars are, the disciples' cars are the Accords? No, they didn't have that. All right So he went the extra mile. So So he has to travel more than two weeks, guys on foot because he has to go up, find Paul, convince him, convince him to go with him to Antioch and do ministries together. So does he have to really do that? He's already in Antioch, right? They already respect him and he's already the leader. But you know, he did because he believed in Paul. He saw the best in Paul. So Barnabas was like, I'm gonna do this, but I need someone I can develop, right? amazing it's just amazing how Barnabas style is of discipleship so Barnabas isn't about prestige at all right that's that one of the best character of Barnabas is that he's he could care less about you know fame honor right eventually he gave way to Paul according to the scriptures so if you study Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14 that's the first missionary journey of Paul right that's the first missionary journey. Barnabas and Saul, Saul went out together. That's what the scripture said. So they were appointed by the church in Antioch to be the first missionaries in Asia Minor. So they're the first missionaries. Right? So, and this is a big deal back then. You know why? Because this is the first time where they're going to go to a completely new New place, completely Gentile territory, right? And who knows how dangerous it is, right? So, who was, but the question is, who was the senior leader during the first missionary journey? Was it Barnabas or was it Paul? Right, it's Barnabas. Barnabas is already established leader. That's why he was sent into Antioch by the apostles, right? So, when you look at Acts 13, at the beginning of the chapter, the order of the name is very significant. The order of the name is very significant. That's why when we read our Bible, we have to read it carefully. What does it really, what does it really mean? What is it trying to say? Right. So, it says that Barnabas and Saul went out. So, Barnabas, then Saul went out. Right. So, it's like boxing today, you know? There's A-side and B-side. Whoever's name calls first, that's the, the A-side. It's like, remember the fight of Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather? So Floyd Mayweather was be, making a big deal that his name supposed to be first and then Pacquiao. Floyd Mayweather versus Pacquiao. So this, the order of this is really significant. So, but the, at the end of chapter 13, it says there, Barnabas and Saul was apart for me, set apart for me by the Holy Spirit. But at the end of chapter 13, guess what the order is? It reversed. And now Saul, what is being called Paul. This is when Paul, when Saul became, became Paul. So Paul and Barnabas in chapter 13, at the end of chapter 13 and 14. So Barnabas wasn't concerned about who the boss is. It wasn't about, you know, who's good, who's better, right? He's focused on developing Paul and the ministry at hand. That's what he's focused on, right? He could care less about his reputation. So for us, how about us, for us believers, right? We should be quick to see other potential, others' potential gift as well. So as believers, we have to see the gift of others, just like Barnabas. Set your pride aside, right? When when it comes to serving God, making disciples, set your pride aside. Pride has no room in serving God, right? The attitude of Barnabas was, in fact, he's saying, in fact, this guy is better. I want him to be the leader, not me. Right? So when we see someone who has potential gift, who has a gift and who has a potential, what is our tendency sometimes? Sometimes we ignore their gift, push them down rather than lifting them up. Right? And you know what? That's called crab mentality. That's such so Filipino. <laughs> but that wasn't the mindset of Barnabas. Right? His mindset was that. Let's bring Paul into his greatest potential so that God can use him. So that's his mindset. So that's what mentorship is all about. Willing to sacrifice, intentional, and seeing the best in others. Amen? Amen. So we're now into our last point of the night. Be slow to judge others. As Christians, we shouldn't be the first one to judge others. We shouldn't be talking on people's back. right? So we should be the encourager, just like Barnabas. right? So our last point tonight is that be slow to judge others. So as we disciple and mentor others, we have to be slow to judge right, others. But rather, we have to practice empathy. No, empathy is huge in the place that I work in, in the profession that I chose as a nurse. Excuse me real quick. Oops. <laughs> I didn't. Your mic picked it up, John. <laughs> so all right, so let's continue. So empathy, what does it mean to be empathetic? right? It means to put your shoes, to put your feet on someone else's shoes. So don't sympathize, but empathize, right? So try to understand them, what the person is going through, right? So in the story of Barnabas, he eventually parted ways with Paul, right? They eventually parted ways after the first missionary journey, right? And... And then he mentored another person. This guy is really amazing. After he mentored Paul, and then he mentored John Mark, right? Because Paul has given up on John Mark. You know, Paul was just like, so during Barnabas and Paul's first missionary journey, there's this young kid, John Mark, you know, who was their helper? Who was their helper? In Acts 13, verse 5, it says that, they also had John Mark, who was their helper. So John Mark was the helper of Barnabas and Paul during the first missionary journey. So, but in the middle of their journey, it got too difficult for John Mark. So it's so difficult. John Mark, he gave up. He quit. Right? Got on a boat, went back home, and went home to his mama. <laughs> Really, that's why he did. He went back home to Jerusalem. To, to Jerusalem. Right? So John Mark couldn't do it. The ministry and the persecution that comes along with it is too much for him. Right? So in Acts chapter 15, after they got done with their first missionary journey, after they went back to Jerusalem, give their report and deal with some theological issues in Acts chapter 15. And then Paul and Barnabas got together again, right? And, they, and then they said, let's go back and visit the people that would led to Christ. Um, and Barnabas was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, dude. But let's take John Mark, right? So John Mark's always, th- I mean, Barnabas is always thinking of the next person he can disciple. But here's Paul. Paul was probably like, what? <laughs> you want to take the wimp again? <laughs> So he's worthless. That's probably like Paul, right? He abandoned us in the middle of our missionary journey, So in Acts 15, 36 to 37, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, right? So what happened here is that they got so upset on the differences of their opinion, Barnabas and Paul, and that they parted ways, they parted ways, and went on different directions. You don't see Barnabas again in Paul's journey, right? So that was the last mention of Barnabas in Paul's missionary journey. He went on his second missionary journey. Barnabas no longer in the picture, so Barnabas instead took John Mark, right, and sailed to Cyprus. And then Paul took Silas and went on to his second, uh, second mission, missionary journey. So Barnabas, again, being the encourager, being a good mentor, right, sees the potential in someone despite John Mark's past failure, right? You no, know, John Mark is a wimp, he, he's a quitter, but, you know, Barnabas didn't stop there, right? Rather, he, lay, he didn't label him as a quitter, but Barnabas gave him another chance, right? He took it as an opportunity to mentor John Mark, right? But guess what happened to John Mark? This is an amazing story. So do you know what happened to John Mark? Do you know what happened to John Mark? No? Okay. So if you don't if you don't, then you have to read your Bible. <laughs> so you know what happened to John Mark, right? You know, John Mark is the author of the Gospel of Mark. So back then when I was a young Christian, I thought that, you know, Mark, the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark is Um, It was written by the Apostle Mark. (laughs) I just assumed that (laughs) completely, (laughs) right? But actually, John Mark is not an apostle. He is not an apostle. So actually, John Mark is a helper. You know, um, the commentary said that John Mark is assisting Peter as well. And actually, the book book of Mark was written by John Mark based on Peter, right? So... He is the author of the book of Mark. It turns out, too, that at the end of the couple of books that were written by Paul, Paul, who said that "Mm -mm, John Mark is a wimp, (laughs) Paul specifically asked for John Mark. He specifically asked for John Mark before his execution. He asked that John Mark would visit him. Here it is in... Okay. Uh, In 2 Timothy 4.11, only Luke is with me. This is Paul talking. Take along Mark, which is John Mark, and bring him with you for he is useful to me for service. Right? So because he is useful to him. So it turns out that the end of Paul's life, he was asking for John Mark. But why? Because of Barnabas. Barnabas did not give up on John Mark. So he became so useful for the church. That's amazing, right? So, as we, as for us Christians, right, that's an amazing story. As for us, as we make disciples, as we mentor others, we will face trials and you will face people where you want to give up on them. You feel like, oh, this person is hopeless. <laughs> Right? But let me remind you, let me remind you, be slow to judge. Maybe they just need some time. right? Don't give up easily and be persistent. Right? Don't give up and be persistent. So Barnabas didn't label John Mark as a failure. He didn't give up on him and saw the potential on him that even Paul didn't see. That even Paul didn't see. So praise God for Barnabas, right? Amen. Praise God for Barnabas. So Barnabas is truly a mentor. First to Paul, right? then to John Mark. We have no idea how many other peoples he influenced, but he was the kind of guy that he wants others to become what God could make them to be. right? And that is something all of us can imitate. So let's invest on the people, right? Let's make disciples and don't stop at sharing the gospel, right? Continue to grow with that person, right? You know, Jesus loves for you and me is that... Oh, sorry. So I'd like to close with even a better mentor than Barnabas. And you know who it is, right? Jesus. Yes. Jesus wants us to make him our ultimate mentor, right? Jesus loves you, you and me, sacrificially, guys. So Jesus is intentional, and he seeks our highest good, right? Because if he don't, he didn't have to die on the cross, right? And despite our imperfections, and despite your un- you and mine's unworthiness, he died for you and me. So I'd like to close with this story. There's this guy named Lu, right? Lu grew up in the nation of Thailand, and he was a Buddhist for the first 20 years of his life until he met a faithful Christian missionaries who introduced him to Jesus Christ. So if you were to ask Lu today, what is so special about Jesus Christ and Christianity, different from every other religion in the world? Lou would share you this story. All right. When I was, this is Lou speaking. When I was a Buddhist, I felt like I was in the middle of a large lake. I was drowning. I was drowning. Um, And didn't know how to swim. As I struggled to keep my heads above water, I looked out towards the shore and saw Buddha because he was a uh, Buddhist, right? <laughs> Obviously. I saw Buddha wa- walking up to the edge of the water. I was going under for the third time when suddenly Buddha began shouting out instruction, instructions to me, teaching me how to swim. So that's what Buddha did. Buddha shouted, kick your legs, Lou, and paddle your arms. But eventually then Buddha said, Lou, you must make it to shore on your own. You must make it to shore on your own. As I desperately struggled to follow the instruction of Buddha, I look out towards the shore again. But this time I saw Jesus Christ walking towards the edge of the lake. However, however, Jesus did not stop at the edge of the lake. Jesus dove and swim so that he can rescue me. So he rescued me. And once Jesus has brought me safely back to shore, then He taught me how to swim so that I could go back and rescue others. And that's what Jesus is like. He saved you for a purpose. And He wants you to be part in making disciples of all nations. So when He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, He is serious because He taught you already how to swim. He taught you how to save others through His name. Amen. So if you already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, praise God. Praise God. But don't stop there. He wants you to disciple and mentor others as well. But if you have not committed your life to Jesus, don't wait another day. Don't wait another day. Let this be the day, because you know what? Tomorrow is never guaranteed, and we are like those people on the lake. We are slowly drowning in our sins. We are slowly drowning in our sins, and the only one that can save you from that is Jesus Christ. So let's close in prayer. Father God in heaven, Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for this wonderful night lord god thank you for your faithfulness lord god thank you for your never-ending love for all of us lord that you took a form of man lord god you live a life perfectly and you died for us on our behalf lord god and praise god praise you jesus for you have rose again Lord, you are the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And there's only you can save us, Lord God. And now I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there's anyone here who has not received you as his or her Lord and Savior, let this be the day. Lord Jesus, we thank you for reminding us today through the life of Barnabas that we have to make disciples and we have to mentor others. Lord Jesus... I pray that what we learned here tonight, we just don't keep it to ourselves and don't let it be just a passing by, Lord God, in our life. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that we'll really put it into practice, Lord God, and we will obey you in making disciples of all nations, Lord God. Lord, help us to be obedient to you, Lord God, through the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, for you are good and your love endures forever. And in your mighty name we pray. Amen. So if you have a decision.